Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Today, I bring you my conversation with Simplicity Coach Jennifer Burnham. This is Jennifer's second time on the podcast, and her first appearance was back on episode 82. Jennifer is a believer in that organizing isn't complicated, time is sacred, and money is a renewable resource. She says this in the episode, and I just thought it was brilliant then and brilliant now. Her work is dedicated to listening to the story your stuff is telling and helps you rewrite it one room at a time. In this conversation, we'll discuss whether our possessions are the chain or the anchor in life, how to play our way out of busyness, and how to create more white space in our schedules. But before we get to the conversation, I wanted to encourage you to leave a rating or review if you haven't done so yet. Leaving a rating and review on iTunes is the best way you can help this podcast succeed and grow. Another way to support the podcast is by checking out some of the advertisers that I display here on the show, such as Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls podcast. Have you been searching for a podcast that the whole family can listen to? What about one that includes positive role models for your daughter? Only 19% of children's books showcase women with jobs or career ambition, and by the age of six, many girls already believe that they are less smart than boys. If you are looking for a podcast full of encouragement told from a woman-first perspective, I have just the one for you. The award-winning podcast, Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, is back with an all-new season, and this time you'll meet amazing immigrant women from all over the planet that have changed the world in so many ways, like Carmen Miranda, an acclaimed dancer and movie star from Brazil, or Noor Ayuat Khan, a princess who became a spy. Because positive role models are critical to showing girls what's possible when they dream bigger, the Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls podcast is a resource for parents and teachers to inspire, educate, and instill confidence in little rebels everywhere. And each one is narrated by an incredible woman from the worlds of art, music, business, and sports. The new season of Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls podcast is here. Give the rebel girl in your life the confidence to dream bigger and find good night stories for rebel girls wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, here is my conversation with Jennifer. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining me today on the Minimalist Moms podcast. I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, I think you're my first guest that I've had yeah, back twice. So I'm excited to talk to you again and have new information that you have to bring to us. So let's start off real quick for those listeners that hadn't heard of your episode. I can't remember which episode. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes though. But can you reintroduce yourselves for people that are just starting to get acquainted with you? Yeah, absolutely. So I have been a professional organizer since 2010. And while I don't identify completely with that term, I've called myself sense of simplicity coach, because I do think that in our world, we've made organizing very complicated. And it's the truth is that organizing isn't complicated. And the more that we simplify our life and untangle from complication, the more ease and grace and freedom that we find. And that's really the root of why people want to live with less or to be organized. It's not to be able to go in and find everything really easily, that's sort of the effect of it. But the cause is really to just have that freedom and from there be able to step into their purpose or to step into being a good mother. Maybe they feel that they're failing in some areas and there's just so much freedom bound within living with less. 
Absolutely. And I think that I try to tell family members that, that there is definitely a correlation between how organized or how much clutter you have in your home. And I guess the weight that that puts on your mindset and anxiety levels and just your ability to have more freedom in your day to day. I think that some people don't realize the weight of all of that. And clutter can manifest in many ways. It can manifest in busyness in our calendars. It can manifest with a bunch of stuff in our homes. And it can also manifest even around our waist. Mm -hmm. And think about carrying around extra weight on our bodies, on our frames, and how that will drain our energy. Clutter is the exact same thing, just in a different form. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to talk about, you refer to our possessions being the chain or the anchor. So I guess just simply, what does that mean to you and why do you discuss it in that way? So too much stuff is weighing us down, but what part is it? Is it the chain or the anchor? And that's something that's probably not talked about that much. We just know that too much stuff is is weighing down people, society, it's overwhelming to the mind. But our stuff ends up being the anchor. But our relationship, our thinking, our stories around our stuff ends up being the chain. So we can get rid of the anchor, therefore the weight, when we start to work on the relationship. But a lot of times we try and declutter first, thinking that that's going to be the solution, when in fact, if we're not looking at the chain, we'll just create another anchor. Because the the stories that we tell ourselves about our stuff is really what's keeping us attached to too much. Mm, No, that makes a lot of sense. So what would you say, I guess, let's bring our, our planners into this and more of the I don't want to say the tangible things, but the things that we, how we organize our lives, the things that um, we're filling up our schedules with. You talk about a planner being a band-aid. So I guess, how does that kind of apply to this anchor in our life? And what does that mean to you? So the, the when it comes to time, if we have a lot of stuff, sometimes we can also be very busy. It doesn't always equate, but there's usually a relationship. And when we're busy, that's kind of the the anchor. We have a lot going on. So what we do is we try and plan our way out of our busyness. We think the answer lies in getting more done, being more efficient with our time. I clearly don't know how to use my time well, so let me get a planner. Jennifer, what planner do you recommend? And that's the band-aid. That's not attacking the chain, which is the priorities and why are we doing the things that we're doing? What is the root cause of busyness? Mm-hmm. When we don't look at any of that, when we don't really peel back that veil, then it doesn't matter. No planner will fix the problem. No magic trick on how to be more efficient with your day is going to fix the problem. So with organizing, you can ground this with a little bit more of an example that listeners might relate to is let's say you're organizing your garage 
And you really want to get some shelves and you want to get some bins and you want to put some labels on it. You saw something similar in Real Simple Magazine or you saw it on Pinterest and you say, that's it. I love the feeling of that space and I want my garage to be the same. But you can't jump to that. It's the same with the planner. You can't jump to the planner. You've got to do the work in between. A planner can be very successful in keeping you on track and keeping you efficient and making sure that you're not doing too much or you're not doing too little, just like organizing containers and shelves can help keep you organized, but they're not the solution. And the work to getting there is quote unquote hard. It can be uncomfortable. It can be hard to say no, for example, which is one of the reasons that we tend to be busy. We haven't looked at priorities and what's taking our time. So if something's taking our time, then that is a priority in and of itself. But sometimes it's just out of alignment or it could be old and not questioning those, having conversations with family members or staff or whatever it might be. And that's the part that can be uncomfortable. And and women in particularly really like to avoid that because we don't like confrontation. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking about my planner and just kind of spelling this out for myself as you're talking. So I have all these activities that I say yes to. I write them down in my planner and it feels so good. It's like, yes, it's solidified. It's in here. I can't wait to do this. But then there's so much between me writing that down and enacting what I've planned out. And that's where I think, like you said, it becomes maybe a band-aid for how overwhelmed and busy we feel because there's work to be done between writing it and acting it out. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So collecting it is one thing and that can be a list that can be in the planner, but doing it is completely different. And a lot of times we don't know how long a task will take. And we also set ourselves up for failure because we think that we're going to have more prolonged energy throughout the day than we really do. And we also don't plan for white space. There's no margin in our day for if um, a little one is sick or if it's hungry or if you don't feel good and you want to take a nap or you want to take a walk. You know, the the to-do list is this bossy dictator in our brain saying you're so inefficient, you know, shame on you. You didn't get through your list today. But I I think that it's misplaced. You know, if we knew that one project might take 10 hours to complete from start to finish, let's say it's um, creating a new product for a business, for example. Well, then, you know, realistically, there's no way you're going to get that done in one day. But yet writing it on a to-do list and putting it in a planner, it's one simple one simple sentence. So it's like, oh, I can get that done and then I'll move on to this and then I'll move on to that. We just put too much on our plate. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Maybe less so now that I've had a third baby, but I can relate to that through different seasons of my life, just saying yes to things and liking the idea of being busy because it gives me, I don't know, maybe a sense of not purpose, but you just feel like you're accomplishing a lot, but then also you have some other things that are kind of falling to the wayside. Like you're not going to be able to do everything well. And that's what I've noticed in these seasons of busy for me, I might be able to do 10 things. Okay. But it's like, they're done. I won't say the swear word, but half C's we'll say they they're done half C's. And, um, yeah, I guess that that's why I've, started to take a a step back and say no, but how do we 
plan, I guess, our way out of busyness? So it's really important to think of time just like we would think of money. The idea of a budget, that's something we're very familiar with, especially as adults. Money comes in, we budget it on how it goes out. Do we have any left over? Do we not? And if we don't, then obviously that's not a sustainable yeah. budget. So we'll need to to back out some things. Oh, we're not going to be able to spend this in that category. But if you do the same thing with your time, it will change your entire perspective. So my motto is organizing isn't complicated, time is sacred, and money is a renewable resource. We tend to think that money is this sacred resource that you can't get back. That's not true mm -hmm. because they print it every day, money comes in, money goes out, it just flows. But time truly is the resource that you cannot get back. So instead of spending so much time budgeting our money, we should do the same with our time. And it's helpful to then take inventory and to see you know, where are you spending your time? Just like where are you spending your money? You can't create a budget if you don't know where your money is going. So where is the time going? Is it being wasted? Probably not, but I'm sure there's pockets in there that are being wasted. I ask a lot of my clients, uh, so I want you to tell me how much screen time you have on your phone. And they're like, oh, I don't know where to find that. And so I'll tell them. And I said, well, I'm a little embarrassed to report that it is three hours a day. Said, mm -hmm. There's three hours of time that you're spending um, doing something that may or may not be fulfilling. So taking the inventory of where does the time go? And that this doesn't need to be for a month. You could do it for three days out of a week and it will give you enough of a snapshot as to where is the time going? And, you know, what are you doing? And also what's missing? It's two really great questions to ask yourself is, where do I feel that there's an imbalance? And where do things feel complicated? Mm -hmm. So where do things feel imbalanced might be with food, you're definitely not going to be the best in everything. Mm -hmm. But what is missing? So if we're busy, we can be distracted. We can be running here, there, and yonder, focusing on our kids, the pressure to perform, getting into school, getting in grades, you know, all those things that sound really good. But maybe we're going through the drive through a lot or we're getting a lot of takeout. And we notice that our kids probably are fine, but our energy is going down and our waistlines are going um, the opposite way. Yeah. <laughs> And so there's there can be some imbalance there because without our help, this is something that we don't really believe until it happens or it happens to someone around us. But without our help, we really don't have anything. And, you know, what feels complicated? So does cleaning the house feel complicated? Does making dinner feel complicated? Is dinner time, shower time, bath time, all that, like what feels complicated? And under those questions are going to be some answer, answers to what is missing. And then that's really where you, you kind of stack the two. Okay, here's where my time is going. Here's some things that I feel that are missing. And then looking to say, okay, what do I let go of? And that's the that's probably the hardest part is saying no or backing out of obligations, um, realizing that, you know, we tend to, for moms in particular, a lot of root of busyness is their children mm -hmm. and this pressure to perform for them to get into a good school or to be a well-rounded human being. And it, it's all very good, but our identity, it's very easy for mom's identity to get wrapped up or attached to kids. It's very similar to how a man's attachment 
um, or identity can be wrapped up around his career, mm-hmm. but it also then sets us up for, well, if they don't do well, then I failed. Or if they don't do well, I didn't sacrifice enough or I didn't try hard enough. And life's goals ends up in effect kind of working out for the kid. And it, and I see this play out with my clients by the time that their kids are heading off to college, they are experiencing this loss of identity. What value do I have in my family? What am I going to do with myself? And if you have young kids, it it, it might not feel so heavy, but I've seen it enough to know that it is pretty prescriptive. So if our kids are the root cause of the busyness, then what are they doing that's making us so busy? And then really questioning those priorities. And if we want to keep... John and Sarah and little Susie and all of the activities, then it's probably going to come down to some communication with the husband, with the partner, with someone else on how to actually break this up. So mom isn't spending so much time away from the things that she's missing. Is there something interfering with your happiness? Is something preventing you from achieving your goals? Mental health has become much more of a topic of conversation and just something that we're much more aware of and comfortable talking about these days. However, there can be a lot of stress associated with trying to find the right health care provider. That's where BetterHelp online counseling comes into play. With BetterHelp, I have been able to see the ease in which you can receive the care that you're looking for. All you have to do is go to the website, fill out a survey of what you're looking for, and you're set up with your own personal counselor. The option to have a counseling session from the privacy of my own home, plus the fact that I didn't have to worry about booking a babysitter, made BetterHelp even more convenient for me. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So if you've really struggled with trying to find the right therapist, the time to get to therapy, or just someone to talk to in regards to mental health, this is something that I truly recommend. Best of all, it's an affordable option, and Minimalist Mom listeners get 10% off the first month. I want you to start living a happier life today, and as a listener, you'll get 10% off the first month by visiting betterhelp.com minimalist. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that is betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash minimalist. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious. I don't, I don't think we touched on this the first time that you were on the show. I, at least I'm pretty sure we didn't. But how did you personally begin to create space in your planner? Is this all coming from personal experience? I'm sorry, this kind of this is somewhat off the cuff, but I'm just really curious for listeners to see how it's worked in your life. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I um, went through a year of no. So I said no to pretty much anything and everything. If it was just friends, social media, whatever came across my plate, it was just pretty much a no. Mm-hmm. Whereas a, a lot of the narrative in our society is say yes, because mm-hmm. you never know what great thing is going to happen on the other side of yes, but you also never know what great thing is going to happen on the other side of no. But no, it's not forever. Mm-hmm. So I did this for a year. No, you don't have to do it for a year. Someone could do it for a month or for three months. Mm-hmm. But Saying no, it's just temporary. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see what I could do and could I thrive on less, Mm -hmm. on doing less, Mm -hmm. doing less in my business, doing less in life. What would it mean to truly slow down? And the only way that I could get the answer to that question was to pull the emergency brake on going too fast and doing too much. And the emergency brake, instead of saying, 
E-M, it said N-O. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. I, I want to just like get super detailed here. So were you saying no to things such as this business retreat or this book club with friends, or were you actually saying no to even like coffee dates or I'm trying to think of something else on like a smaller scale? Was it really no to every opportunity or just the ones that had to, that felt bigger? It was everything. So as an organizer in Charlotte, you know, other ladies will reach out and say, oh my goodness, I'd love to start an organizing business. You know, would you have time for coffee? Uh-huh. And I'd say, oh, you know, I think that's great. I wish you all the best. You know, I'd point them in the right direction, give them a couple of tips to read if they were interested. But my time wasn't available for that. And I also wasn't available for a phone call. Mm-hmm. Now, I could have been, but that was just a choice that I made. So no to coffee dates, um, with friends, if they wanted to have a phone call, we could, if they wanted to do something like walk around a park, which was something that I was trying to spend more time in nature, then I would maybe be interested in that. But I was also really looking at friendships and relationships in general, Mm -hmm. what is lifting up and what's not. And, um, can I be friends with these people online without having to invest time in real life. And I, I don't know if that makes me sound like a hardened woman. I hope mm-hmm. not. But um, I think the opposite of that can really wear wear us out. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it makes you sound like a hardened woman. Again, I, I wouldn't say I'm a people pleaser. I actually just really enjoy filling up my schedule and I enjoy doing, I, I just enjoy doing. But all that to say, as I've had children and just the various seasons in life, I had to start to set boundaries on relationships as well. Not just the things I was saying yes to that benefit my business or playdates or stuff like that. But with my friendships, I, I think I said this a while ago on a podcast, but I literally went down and wrote down all of the relationships in my life. And then I ordered them. This is horrible. <laughs> Actually, it's not horrible. It was very beneficial, but I did tier one, tier two, and tier three. I took those names and in tier one, they were people that I wanted to see at least once a week. They were, and pretty much the only people were, that were in tier one were my family members. And then yep. tier two were, I want to see you once a month. I am, I want to invest in this relationship. And then tier three, those were the relationships that I felt like every time that we were seeing one another, it was just very surface level. It was just kind of like catching up and it would like an artificial way. And it wasn't that those relationships, like some of the people that used to be in tier two were definitely down in tier three because seasons ebb and flow. And while that person may have been a roommate for me at one point, it was just like, we're not, we're not in the same season of life right now. And I don't have, I actually just do not have the time to invest in this relationship right now. So I said, for those people in tier three, I am not going to make sure that I'm the one doing all the contacting and like really pursuing them. But if they connect to me, if I do have the time in my schedule, I'm happy to go for coffee or like go on a walk or something, but I was done investing in those relationships. So again, like I said, this was possibly horrible, but it actually gave me so much freedom to know who I was investing in, how I wanted to fill up my calendar with the like social elements of my calendar and my planner. And it really, it was super life-changing for me. Yeah, I mean, you can, you only have so much time and you also only have so much energy and relationships are hard. And when you start with 
the first relationship that is the most important being with your partner, I mean, that requires a lot of time and a lot of energy. And then if you have children, that's probably the second most. If you're not number two in there, then your kids are going to be two or three mm-hmm. in line. And then you have family. Mm-hmm. And from there, you're not going to have an endless amount of time to be the best friend to mm-hmm. everyone from the folks that you went to high school with all the way to the people who are thinking about starting a podcast and they want to pick your brain and doesn't make anyone wrong. It mm-hmm. just is saying, this is my boundary and this is what I'm available for right now. I will continually reassess and see if I need to add to or subtract from uh, based on my availability and time in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that that can be really hard for people. And like I said, just really loving relationships. My friendships are so important to me and I, I love to pour into them. And that's why I was like, I cannot be spreading myself this thin anymore. Like I have to make these decisions about who I want to be intentional with. And again, it doesn't mean that I don't still love those people that are in the bottom tier, if you will. It's just that (laughs) in this season, it's just not going to, we can't connect in that way, you know? So I I don't know. I, I felt like it was maybe cutthroat to some, but it really is beneficial when you're trying to see what is a priority, what do I value, and what do I have time for. So one of my favorite books is The Four Agreements, and one of the agreements is don't take things personally, and that is a really great agreement for women who are struggling with creating space, mm-hmm. creating space in their calendar, and creating space in their home. So two examples. Let's say I'll give you three, actually. Example one, you're creating space in your home and you're decluttering and you're having a conversation with someone about your your purging and it feels great. And they may say something along the lines of, oh my God, I can't believe you got rid of that. Or, wow, that could have been worth a lot of money. Did you look into that? Or, you know, I would have loved to have had X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And so when you take their comment as personal, it can make it very hard to get rid of things because their questions, their excuses, their thoughts are now rolling around in your head without your permission. In fact, if you don't take it personally, then they don't have the permission to go in there. But let's say you're doing the same thing with your calendar. If someone wants to go for coffee and it can be very uncomfortable to do this in the beginning because you're setting boundaries and people aren't used to them. So, hey, do you want to, what about our monthly dinner date? And this might be someone in a tier three. And you say, you know, hey, Sarah, I think I just, um, I'm going to have to miss it this month. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I'm just taking a step back and and doing a couple of things uh, with my family. And do you mind if I reach back out to you in a couple of months and see where we are? Well, Sarah can say whatever she wants, but if you don't take it personally, then it's going to be easier for you to say no Mm -hmm. to other people in the future. However, if you take whatever she says to you or about you personally, then it can be very hard to say no. Mm -hmm. And it's the same if you're doing a purge online. So if real life is what we experience every day, then the opposite of real is fake. And I call fake life being the internet or social media, but that can provide lots of different things. And most people say, oh, well, I'm very in tune with that. So I don't, none of that really bothers me. Well, the folks who created social media were smarter than that. And they have all sorts of tricks up their sleeve as to how they get our attention because Mm -hmm. the more time we spend on their platforms, the more money they can make by advertising. 
so you're doing a big purge. You're going to unfollow pages. Maybe you're going to unfriend some people. Not that you're not friends with them in real life, but maybe in fake life, it's just not aligned. And someone reaches out and says, I cannot believe you unfriended me, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you don't take that personally, whatever they're saying doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't become your truth. Then it becomes much easier to create that space in the future. And it really is such a powerful um agreement to have mm-hmm. without putting so much people pleasing pressure on yourself. It's funny the way that this conversation has shifted kind of from what I feel like we were originally going to talk about, <laughs> but I do think that it all really does come down to busy and planning. Like relationships are such a huge part of that and disappointing people and being okay with disappointing people. And that you said you don't take it. It's not personal. It's just what's best for what I'm valuing and what I'm prioritizing right now. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have anything to do with you, whatever they Mm -hmm. say. And it could be as um, straightforward as you're so selfish, but that's not true. You know, your heart, you know, you, that's not, that's not true. So when you don't let that become your truth, then you just acknowledge them, witness their experience and, and go on about your business. But it's very easy to say. And I think that's one of the reasons why this fellow wrote that book. And I believe it was um, Miguel, Don Miguel Ruiz. It's an amazing book. It's very simple to read, but it is, it's a journey and it's a practice. And when we really notice that we get to create our life. We get to design the experience that we want to have. And part of busyness is allowing normal or other people to design that for us. It's in part due to the fact that either we don't know what we want or two, we have a really hard time saying no. So when, even when we want to say no, we say yes. Yes, absolutely. And I will be sure to include that book in the show notes for sure. Cause I think that sounds really interesting. I'll, I'll have to read it myself. It's awesome. It's very short. And another agreement is don't make assumptions. And that's also really amazing. So if someone's being a certain way or saying a certain thing about you creating space in your home or your calendar, then just don't assume if they are being snarky, just don't assume anything. If you want to ask them a question, ask, but coming assumptions come down to a lack of communication Mm -hmm. and really a lack of asking questions for clarity. Mm-hmm. And I find that's really, really interesting when someone, if I'm feeling a very a, a certain way, you know, Sarah's being this and I'm assuming that she's thinking that, well, that's kind of toxic. So yeah. either I'm going to let it go or I need to just ask Sarah if that is how she's feeling and really giving the other person some space to communicate. And from there, I think we can really untangle from complicated. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jen, is there anything else you'd like to share with listeners as we kind of wrap things up here? Oh, gosh, (laughs) so much and nothing at all at the same time. You know, just really thinking about busyness and freedom, because when we have not nothing to do, but when we're really designing the day in the way that we want The days become weeks, they become months, and then all of a sudden you're noticing space, you're feeling happier, you're feeling lighter. You can start in your physical home if that's easier, because sometimes those decisions are a little bit easier, Mm -hmm. but the space and the freedom is addicting. Once you get started, it's like someone who's losing a lot of weight. Once they really get over that first hurdle, man, there's no turning back. Mm -hmm. Well, Jen, where can people find you online if they're wanting to connect? 
Sure. My website is jenniferburnham.com and I'm also on Facebook and my handle there is at the Jennifer Burnham. Perfect. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now? AKA, what is your minimalist moment of the week? Oh man, I love it. My finances, they feel complicated. There's too many accounts. There's too many rules. Money should not be that complicated. So I am simplifying the heck out of that. Does your husband feel the same way? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Luckily, he's pretty on board with me. Oh, that's wonderful. That makes it much even easier when you're both on board for sure. (laughs) Well, my last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? It's really more of a question that I've been meditating on and and also talking with other people about, but why is slow so hard? Mm. Why is it so hard to slow down and really looking to see what other people think, what I think, my assumptions about slowing down? What does that mean about me if I'm going slow or I'm taking it slower today, having an off day? And really identifying what does that mean and how does it feel and how to shift out of overdrive to maybe second gear. Yeah. Oh, that's such an interesting concept as well. I want to have you come back and maybe we can discuss that because I think about that a lot too. I know Erin Lochner wrote a book, Chasing Slow, and kind of Mm. what it meant for her. But you're right because sometimes I think we think of slow meaning lazy or just like, oh, mm-hmm. I'm just going to sit on the couch all day. And I don't think that has to be slow. I think it could be a walk in the park or a walk with a friend uh, around the neighborhood. Like, yeah, what, how do you define slow in your life? Because it's probably going to look different for everyone too. And more, I'm more interested in how does it feel? Okay. There's an intent behind a slow versus what does it look like? But the mm-hmm. feeling really is how when you attach to that, I believe is where it becomes sustainable and it becomes a way of being versus this, well, let me do less because that's a little bit more of Western world, but how can we really slow it down, slow down conversations, slow down eating? I mean, we could go on. Yeah, no, I, I can relate to all of that feeling overwhelmed by not being so slow and just, yeah, I think that's a a really great conversation. I'll have to, I'll message you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jen, this was such a great conversation. I think that listeners are really going to love what you have to say um, about the anchor and the chain and just about planning our way out of busyness. I think this was just a great conversation. So I thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to be here. What did you think of the interview? Like I said at the beginning, I know we somewhat shifted directions there, but I really just enjoyed my conversation with Jen. I think that I will have her back here to discuss slow living and what that really means, but I would love to hear your thoughts about what we discussed over on Instagram. So I invite you to keep that conversation going. Head over to minimalistmomspodcast.com and there you'll find links to the Facebook, that Instagram account where we can have that discussion and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.